When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They have won the Rachel Hayhoeford Trophy. Well, haven't we witnessed some absolutely sensational test cricket? Ash Gardner, take a bow. Hello and welcome to Storylines, the women's cricket podcast with me, Melissa Story, and the wonderful Nikki Chowdhury. Howdy. How are you doing? I am very well. I've just actually woken up for an afternoon nap and I'm quite smug with myself. <laughs> that is the the face. You guys can't see this, but she does look very happy with herself. Meanwhile, I have been at cricket training, so I'm probably the opposite of you. I'm not relaxed. I'm 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 pumped up on a bit of adrenaline, Nikki, to be honest. How was training? It was okay. So I've been really trying to unlock my batting potential because I was like, you know what? I watch people play cricket all the time. I've got to be better than what I am. Like, I should have picked up all these tips. I meet all these amazing people who give me batting advice. I was like, I can do this. So last week at Gloucestershire training, I was like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to I'm going to become the ramp person. I want to be that, that person who can ramp everything. Yeah, the issue with the ramp is that you're meant to use the bat. And what part of your body did you use? What I basically punch the ball to fine leg (laughs) and if this was like a youtuber boxing match i think i would have won like i'll be reaping in the rewards right now but in that moment i couldn't feel my finger being attached to my hand i was like i've done it i've right before the season i've gone and broken my finger in reality i was being a bit of a drama queen my finger turned black for about a week so this was last week's training i had training again today and i was like don't do it no, no, don't do it. You, maybe you don't need to be the ramp person. Reinvent yourself as like the defensive shot person. Like that's equally as cool. Everyone loves defensive shots apart from the England men's team. And the, the urge overcame me, Nikki. Like final ball, everyone was watching. The balcony was full of children who are waiting to use the hall after us for theirs. And I was like, Melissa, this is your chance to become their hero. Go for the ramp. Molly Robbins is bowling to me. Western Storm professional cricketer who's about six foot gets a lot of bounce on the ball I was like I can okay yeah this is like a good matchup you know pro versus non-pro I thought I was about to die when the ball was hurtling towards my face I was entirely like front on to the bowler at one point where I went maybe this wasn't a good idea (laughs) began to slip backwards managed to somehow flick the ball over my head with the faintest of edges as I simultaneously fell backwards flat out on the ground (laughs) and the crowd went wild I saw the light for just a second (laughs) I I don't think I I should be playing ramp shots but there is a there is a primal animalistic urge inside of me to play the ramp shot (laughs) I'm just glad to have you on this call that you made it this far into the day (laughs) 
says, a miracle I'm not calling you from, you know, the emergency room. <laughs> um, but yeah, next time we record a podcast, which will be, we guys, we will be having a few more podcasts coming out soon because we're looking to cover a bit of the WPL, which is going to be the main topic of this conversation. I will add in here. We're going to talk a bit about Australia, South Africa as well, and some of Project Darwin. Um, but yeah, essentially maybe in these next few updates send in like shots you'd like to see me play at nets and i'll come back with like an update on our on our kind of sunday podcast unless i don't appear one week and in which the person who told me to head of the ball into the top corner yeah blood would be on your hands oh my god people could actually do that they could send us in like shot requests <laughs> we could send it back to them on twitter well, we still need to have a nets together. So maybe that will be the video content we need when we say, say just give us some dares. Yeah, give us some dares and we'll have a net together. I know that you're so good at batting though, Nikki, that if someone dared you to smack me through the covers with your eyes closed, you would do it so easily. So we need harder ones than that. Mm, at this rate, <laughs> given how I batted the other day, I wouldn't say that would be an easy one. I know you've been in India and you've been celebrating with loads of your friends and family's weddings. It's looked amazing. Like... Have you had time to do winter nets yet or have you just been too busy? I've been to a few sessions, but now I'm like, no, we're going to go. And uh, I, was ha- I was meant to go today, right? And then I was really annoyed because they changed training time, like literally last minute. And, and you were asleep? No, training's in the evening and then they move training to the morning whilst I'm finishing off a breakfast show. So I couldn't make it. And then when I've been up from 4.45 at that point, then... I wasn't going to make it in time, so which is annoying, but it's going back to normal from next week, so it's like, okay, fine. So you'll be getting updates from both of us as we navigate our amazing slash tragic cricketing careers. You're welcome. Let's talk a bit about Australia, South Africa, Nikki, because there was two really historic wins for South Africa, one in the T20 series, one in the ODIs, and, you know, I kind of put a tweet out saying, I like seeing a strong South Africa, not just to be honest, South Africa, I like seeing any team who isn't Australia, England and India putting in good performances and doing well. We saw Pakistan playing really well against New Zealand a few months ago. And I was like, yeah, strong South Africa is uh, great for women's cricket. And then they've gone and lost by an innings and 284 runs in the test match. So I'm sorry, South Africa, for jinxing you. But it was a great kind of series to watch and I know one of your favorites did very well in the test match you're really obsessed with this now aren't you I mean you talked up so much during the summer during the ashes it sounded like you two were best friends so look okay it's fine I'm just glad that I've got the vision I feel like you know when you have like coaches that can be like yeah this one's got potential and then boom like performance after performance like whoever was like Jess Wells coach must be like yeah told you so right after today's performance and then look at me now, just predicting predicting the future with Annabelle Sutherland, 210 and 5 for 21. I mean, if Beautiful. I did that in a test match, if I did that obviously in any game, but particularly a test match, you know how rarely they <laughs> come round. Yeah, if I, this is the girl who's never hit over 75 in her life and has taken like two fivers. I'm like, yeah, if I did that, uh, I'd be quite chuffed. But I would be. No one would ever hear the end of it. And I hope, you know, she just like... I hope she just really absorbed that moment because women's test cricket comes around so rarely. For Australia, they've had quite a few recently. They had that Ashes test and they played over in India and now they've had this one. But, you know, with the future of test cricket looking somewhat uncertain in the men's game and the women's game having the tendency to kind of follow along in the footsteps, you know, I just, 
I'm making the most of these test matches, even when they are really one-sided, like this one was. But, you know, when someone hits 210, as you said with Xavi Jaswal as well, like, we've, we're just blessed to be seeing these, like, young, talented players playing, like, just incredible innings. And they're so fearless in the way they play. And that's what I like about Sutherland. I'm looking forward to how she does in the WPL which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah, definitely. Like, Did you see that um, bit today where Jesswell took on Anderson, like I think three or four back-to-back, uh, back-to-back sixes? It was like literally yeah. he was tonking Anderson around. You're like, wow. These kids scare me these days, Nikki. Like I already get stressed walking past a group of teenagers and like when you pass them and then you hear like some laughter behind you and you're there like, oh my God, is my outfit bad today? Do I have toilet roll on my foot? (laughs) Yeah, like, oh my God, they're so cool and intimidating. And I feel like that's what the younger cricketers are like. I say this like I'm not a young cricketer, but I'm telling you the way my shoulder feels right now, I don't feel like a young cricketer. But yeah, essentially, really, really interesting series between those two teams. Um, One thing I'll add though, is there still more drama going on behind the scenes for South Africa? Because there was a moment on Twitter or X, as you'd like to call it, where Masabata Klaas had, I, I think, had given an interview and basically said that during the test match, they weren't missing Marazine Cap, who didn't play in the test match. Bear in mind, Cap had put in some pretty exceptional performances across the ODI and T20 series. And Marazine Cap quote tweeted the article just saying, like, thanks. And Darnavan Nierkirk also chipped in saying, you know, with facepalm emojis and kind of being like the disrespect, basically. And I'm like, how is this team dynamic working? Because it feels like there's still so much more beef behind the scenes and things aren't solving themselves. Someone pass me the popcorn because it's... It's just, I just need the popcorn. That's all I need. And it's like... It is, I mean, it's, it is worrying though, because, you know, South Africa have had their troubles of Lizelle Lee, then Donovan Nierkirk and mm-hmm. Shabna Mishma have all left. They're really significant players. And actually a similar kind of thing's happening for the West Indies women's teams, where they suddenly had four shock retirements really quickly, kind of went under the carpet a bit. And it's like, you know, these experienced players have given a lot to the women's game. Like... They're not to be just discarded just like that. And I just, you know, these behind the scenes politics are not good for the women's game. Like you need the support from boards. You need the support from players. It just feels like there's a bit of disconnect there at the moment. But I don't know. I just don't think players should be jumping onto Twitter to, you know, kind of chip in. But then some people thrive off it. Ben Duckett posted a photo when he got engaged, I think around Christmas, Lovely engagement photo with his fiance, and one person pointed out that they, he said something like, no wonder, you know, England basically stay in so many hotels and they complain about it, but he goes home and he's got no furniture in his house. And Ben Duckett was so rattled that he took a video of his living room to prove he had furniture. Like some cricketers are like that and others just stay out of it. And I just... He took, he was so rattled. And I was like, you know, Stuart Broad loves a little nibble back on social media as well. Like, I think I would just do a Zach Crawley. I'd be like, this isn't for me. I'm going to tap out. I don't want to see all your funny tweets about me because I'll probably just go cry. Now, we also want to touch on Project Darwin. You feel like there should be like dramatic music. Finally, you let us talk about it. You say that like I control what you say, Nikki. We, 
if anything, we haven't done many podcasts recently. We're sorry, guys. Haven't oh, but I've been wanting to speak about Project Darwin for a while, and we've been like, nah, save it, save it, save it. Wait, wait, wait. But I think it's just something like it'd be good for us to chat about now, because essentially, for anyone who's not familiar, there's been a proposed overhaul of the women's system. So at the moment, there are eight regions evenly distributed around the the UK, and they have. Um, professional players now most squads have fully professional players some have summer professional contracts I don't think there's many pairs you play players anymore but essentially these are based around these regions and within them they're meant to have kind of catchment areas of these different counties now it's been that way for a few years now prior to that you had the KSL which I thought was hugely successful as well basically there's been a few big overhauls and the next one is coming because responsibility is going to be handed back to the counties. The counties have been given an invitation to tender. There is eight tier one spots available. And the ECB have said they're going to be geographically spread out. Nikki, there is pure panic on your face. What are your initial thoughts on Project Darwin? Why didn't they just do it in the first blooming place? Why? (laughs) Like, I swear this, in the nicest way possible, there is someone at, the BBC, not the BBC. The BBC? <laughs> it's always the BBC's fault, Nikki, is it, huh? <laughs> Sorry. There is someone at the ECB, whoever is making all of these ideas up, that every few years, I don't think they're just satisfied with what they're doing and they have to come up with a new idea to make themselves feel productive. Like, why wasn't this, if it was something that's going to happen, and ultimately, I'm not sure if you've actually seen the document that shows the whole proposal and what's going to happen the massive like 10 page pdf which is just like a very nice colorful document to make it look to make it seem like this is the logical idea and this is the research we've done but basically it's a document that shows that oh we asked x amount of people and they said they felt more attracted and more dedicated towards a team should they be associated with a county um like a men's county because that's where a Surrey, for example, a Surrey member can actually feel like they have got the, like, relationship. I don't know what the word is, but if I follow Surrey men, I can feel like I can understand and follow Surrey women, and it makes more sense as opposed to following a Southeast Stars, which the name doesn't even, like, have a, like, a link, right? But then, like, if it was going to come back to this, then surely it should have just done it, taken longer to come in. But then just do it, like, do it at that point. Like, I just don't understand why I have three, four different ideas and then put that money in. And then obviously that you're wasting the money, right? And then you'll complain that there's not enough funding. And then it's going to go back to this entire system that's going to have the tier one, tier two, tier three. Then you've got sports and um, you've got cricket at club and school level, which is going to be considered recreational. But technically, if you're like tier three, tier two, then what is your standard of cricket going to be like? It's a strange one, isn't it? Because you've got to consider when women's county cricket was in control of the counties, it didn't get the attention it needed. So almost the ECB had to step in with the KSL with the kind of competitions at the moment. But I think the ECB had to step in to make sure the funding went to the places it needed to go. And almost through the competition they've had, you know, and by that monitoring, they've made sure that teams can now be professional. And I think almost is there that perception that now that there's enough respect on women's cricket, 
you know, it's a chance for counties to go, look, I want to be a tier one county because I want to look after the women's game. Here I am putting my hand up and, you know, we're going to build a strong allegiance. But it, it just seems it was always weird because with the regions, there was certain counties which were always closer. For example, you know, you look at the Thunder, they were basically Lancashire Thunder because the other kind of counties around that area were never, you know, the Division One counties. They were more Division Three, And you have then areas, you know, like Western Storm, where they actually did quite well because they had lots of support from Gloucestershire, Somerset and Wales. The Southern Vipers just felt like Hampshire with occasional Sussex kind of you know attention being thrown in the diamonds felt like just yorkshire and there was a real disconnect between some of the counties they were meant to be representing but, but then the again issue, i don't know how this is going to solve that if the issue goes back to the fact that the, the opportunity was there but the counties weren't putting the funding in the right places then surely there just needs to be some sort of regulation going on there as opposed and someone to monitor that as opposed to let's create this, do it for two years, and then we'll lose some girls as we pr- transition into another system and then lose some more girls as we then transition to another system. And then by default, you're also creating another problem whilst trying to solve the other. And I don't think enough information has been really released yet for us to make like full comments. You know, as things start to materialise more, it'll be interesting. But kind of the first thoughts I'm thinking is that, you know, the ECB have said they want these to be geographically spread out teams. But what happens if no suitable bids received and there's been some really great articles from Raph Nicholson from Andy Frombleton of basically saying like what happens if counties can't afford this like how are you going to have a let's say a team in the southwest if none of the southwest teams can afford to have a women's team Will McPherson said it's going to cost around 400k like yeah so many counties are losing money at the moment like I think it's obviously going to be the the tier one clubs are most likely going to emulate what is happening in the men's game, right? And I think MCC are looking at having a. I like, find that baffling, isn't it? Like it's, it's. I was like, I didn't understand how they got like. Obviously, how they're involved in the sport, yes, but to be putting up and maybe considering a spot for tender, then I was like, oh, then that just really kind of changes the dynamics of things. But yeah, a lot of money. If the men's game is losing out and creating losses for counties like in the nicest way possible how much revenue generating is the women's game going to be if they can't sustain profit from the men's which is where you'd hope you'd get the money from to help fund and promote the women's yeah and you know I kind of put out some of my initial thoughts on Twitter looking at it from a perspective which we are as current county cricketers who are amateur cricketers but still representing their current counties because you know when you do think of allegiances let's say Alice Davis and Richards for example Kent player through and through if Surrey win that tier one tender and Kent becomes a tier two county is Alice Davis and Richards gonna then go over to Surrey to play there because that's where the professionals go that might feel a bit weird for her players which might have to move counties to get where they want to will have to buy more kit which I know for some people isn't expensive but for amateur players buying new kit and having to move counties to get to where they're actually going to be able to play is a real real issue and that issue is predominantly would exist because you're going to go and and it inevitably is going back to moving clubs or moving counties because you are chasing a certain standard of cricket so rather than maybe have to do that maybe a like a Kent isn't a weak side growing up I'm sure you've played against Kent Kent is not a weak side when you when I played for Sussex when I played for Surrey you've always known that you would have good competition when you've gone and played against Kent so maybe looking at an option would be 
to improve the standard so that even if you are playing tier two, div two, whatever you want to call it, it's the jump's not going to be like the jump we have when we're playing club cricket to going and playing a county match. Well, that is the the hopeful kind of idea that it that this kind of gap we've spoken about between current county and regions is going to be lessened. I don't know. I, I guess my kind of thing is what also happens to the current county players of a tier one side? Because I put out again a question saying, let's say if Surrey was to become a tier one side, you've got current Surrey players. They might be given the opportunity to trial, but what are the chances they're going to be able to compete with a player coming from Essex, let's say, who's a professional player, trains four times a week, and this Surrey player who trains once a week after work is told to compete for one spot with them. Like, would you have an amateur 11, even within think- tier one counties who plays against tier two and tier three counties? Or would those girls just be expected to leave if they want to play cricket? Because that wouldn't sit too right with that me. Wouldn't. I don't think that would sit right with me, you or anyone. In fact, I think then you should have that second team option. You're going to have your second team academy and mirror the boy system then. I think if you're going to go down that route, then mirror it. You can't just be discarding people. And, well, going up through the counties when you're playing age group cricket, you need to qualify to either be going to a school in the area or play, living in the area, having your postcode within the radius, right? Is that still in place? As When I last was what like coaching and speaking to some of the girls in the CAG age groups and stuff, they it was that they were in the area and they qualified for it. So surely, firstly, it wouldn't make a lot of sense if you're living in Chelmsford to be coming down to Guildford. Like, that's a trek and a half, right? Secondly, if you've been following that for your entire age group career, then why would that not still be applicable? Unless you are contracted and, you know, like, then some you get, like, a... I've got lost name, but like someone from like a Lewis McManus is now signed at North, North, uh, Northamptonshire. So like if you've got something like that, then but it's not going to be le- lots of them. A lot of them are home bred and born. So unless it's the odd one or two and then obviously they'll be looking and getting professionals. But I think it's also a bit more lucrative for a professional as well. Right. Like being attached to a Middlesex County Cricket Club, a Surrey County Cricket Club or whatever. I think when you're coming abroad that you just, you know the history of that club already. Yeah, I mean, I think... Sorry, I just think it's something they should have either done it in the first place because there was a system there that they could have just emulated. They may not have had tier three, tier two and just started in a smaller, smaller capacity and grown that over the next like few years. But putting money into the KSL, then putting money into this whole regional setup and then saying, actually, nah, let's just copy what we we did with the men like years ago, right? It It's just like, were you bored? Like, I'll be honest with you, were you bored? We'll wait to see what happens. We've already heard that Worcestershire will not be putting in a tier one bid because they're not in a kind of position to be able to do that. We've heard enthusiasm from Durham and Sussex and Essex in particular, My main hope is just that whatever happens, I hope that what has been shown by the hundred is that, you know, sometimes you don't need these strong allegiances to get people in watching women's cricket. You need good marketing. And one thing which has happened to the regions throughout the Rachel Hayo Flint Trophy, the Charlotte Edwards Cup, there wasn't even official social media handles for these. There was not enough marketing and that's why crowds haven't come in. So whatever happens, 
these games need to be marketed otherwise the women's game is not going to grow that same amount I know there's the argument that actually you look at Australia and some of the crowds they have aren't massive but they're still the best players in the world yes but for women's cricket to sustain itself you know and live up to these expectations which just now got because it's a brilliant standard we've got to market it more and get more crowds in You've taken an Australian example, but if you look at the crowds that you get in Australian club games for women's, like it's ridiculous. It like outdoes anything you'd get for an entire season at my club. The comp, like one attendance at an Australian club game, outdoes the entire season of like a Guildford Cricket Club's fixture list. So, and I've heard a lot of people say that's obviously due to this, like it's exciting cricket to watch and the standard of club cricket would like you wouldn't even be able to compete against club cricket here the the good clubs they're so limited and then the other question poses if this all goes through what happens to the likes of a you a me and there's plenty of us around as well who are involved and are they just going to get disregarded are we all just going to get given the boot like then what happens well don't worry Nikki, because i would have killed myself playing the ramp shot by then so <laughs> it's i'm more worried about yeah. you because I, I would have ramped the ball into my face and, and squished myself into smithereens. Maybe do it when it's our session. Who knows? Maybe it's when we're having a net together. How many people out there do you think there are, that, like you and me, that would get affected by this? I mean, like if, if someone's listening to this and maybe they have been through the entire county age group, they are playing county cricket now, they may be not in the regional structure, they dip their toes in, they're out. They don't know what the future is looking like, but they've played a decent standard of cricket. Please do get in touch and let us know your thoughts on Project Darwin. Now it has come up to WPL season. I don't know about you, but I had such a good time watching this last year and seeing like the best of the best competing in front of really good crowds and great TV coverage. And as always with the IPL, the WPL, there's always a bit of drama around the start of it. And we've already had this kind of conundrum of the WPL dates clashing with England's tour to New Zealand. So much so that Lauren Bell and Heather Knight have both pulled out of their deals a couple of weeks ago because they withdrew once they learned that the WPL regulations don't allow for replacements mid-tournament and they don't want their respective teams to be disadvantaged. It's led England to announce two different squads to accommodate the return from the WPL of Natsiva Brunt, of Capsie, of Eccleston, of Wyatt, some pretty big name players. I'm quite excited to see how the likes of Lindsay Smith and Holly Armitage get on, but we will be covering those games here on Storylines, so stay tuned with that. But Nikki, what are your thoughts? Are you a WPL fan? Are you looking forward to this? Yeah, 100%. I think last year was so successful and for like the first year for it to like set the bar so high, it's just it's just a matter of time to see what happens and how bigger, greater, faster, all the big words, <laughs> just how bigger, greater, faster, just more amazing this year is going to be. And I think... I'm just impressed with like how even last year it was all put together in such a short period of time. And of course, then the standard of cricket, the, the exposure we got to see within the Indian domestic t- uh, structure as well. See the talent that's been coming through there. And obviously we've had seen talent there go on to make India under 19 debuts, India uh, Indian women's team debuts. So like it's been like a very much needed tournament, I think, um, for the exposure of 
girls in India as well. But then um, also it was absolutely incredible. The viewing figures for the first year of the Women's Premier League was absolutely insane. It, in 2023, it's made like ridiculous numbers reaching over 90 million Indians on digital streaming platforms. So like through your phone and then 85 million on TV with an impressive 2 billion um, impressions. So an overview of the tournament, if you're unfamiliar or didn't follow along last year, it's a five-team competition. Each team will play eight games, 22 matches. It's snappy, it's fun, it's cool. I also will just add, I love your surprise, Nikki, that last year's tournament was arranged hastily because that's so unlike the BCCI to organise things last minute. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're like, don't you know, like us Indians love to plan things in advance. You at least get 12 months notice. It's not like the IPL starts in like four weeks and we don't have the schedule oh anyway moving on <laughs> the team who comes first in the group stages will go straight to the final second and third play eliminator essentially and it's the mumbai indians versus the delhi capitals in a rerun of that final to kick it off on february the 23rd the final is on march 17th now last year it was a bit of a strange one because the games were only held in mumbai this season is going to be hosted across two venues in Bengaluru in the first half and Delhi in the second, including the knockouts. Um, in terms of overseas, they're allowed four overseas players in their 11, but five in the squads. But if they choose an associate player, they don't technically count as an overseas. So we saw Tara Norris, who picked up the first WPL five for last year. She um, plays for the USA, and so she was allowed to play. But she's not been picked again this year, but one of the Bryce sisters has. So it'll be interesting to see if that tactic's been played. It made people pretty much, not millionaires, but it made a few players very rich overnight. And some of the new... (coughs) (laughs) uh, Speaking to Catherine, her wife, I was like, I'd be feeling very good right now if my wife had just picked up... (laughs) But there's always been some big signings because Annabelle Sutherland, who we've already spoken about, she's been picked up by the Capitals. And then there's some more exciting, slightly bigger bids where you've got Kasby Gotham has been picked up by the Giants for two crore. Then you've got Vrinda Dinesh as well, another uncapped Indian player who's picked up for 1.3 crore. And then, you know, a few players moving around because Shabna Mishmael's now gone to the Mumbai Indians as if they weren't strong enough. They now go sign like the feistiest fast bowler in the history of, well, the last 10 years of the women's game. Maybe a bit of competition with the aforementioned Catherine Silverbrunt. And also Phoebe Litchfield, who's just been pretty remarkable at the moment. She's just my role model. I wish I could bat that well. Maybe that's who I'll channel myself on. I'll stop ramping it. I'll just play it like Phoebe Litchfield. But she's been picked up by the Giants as well. But, I mean, a good place to start with the runners-up from last year. My Delhi Capitals. They have some really big names in their squad. They have overseas players like Alice Capsey, Jess Jonathan, Laura Harris, Meg Lanning, who I am so excited to be seeing play cricket again. Thanks for coming back, Meg. I can't wait for this. I'm I'm gonna get very patriotic about the Delhi Capitals here. I can I can see that you are. Our listeners can't see you right now, but I can definitely vouch for that. But they also I feel like they've got a really good kind of depth of players with Jamima Rodriguez and and Arundhati Reddy as well with that little bit of experience. They've got Poonam Yadav as well, Shafali Verma at the top of the order, Shika Pandey, who I think is just such a remarkable remarkable bowler who goes under the radar a bit too much. And then really young stars like Tita Sadhu as well. They got close last time, but I do think they will always benefit from 
having the captaincy of Meg Lanning. Like, she's one of the best brains in the cricketing world. And I think by signing the likes of Annabelle Sutherland, you know, you've got another young, exciting player with her and Alice Capsey, but then you also have the likes of, you know, Jess Jonathan, Marazine Cap, who you can just rely on so much. Like, these are the pros of the international game. They've been there, done that. And I just feel like they, they could go one step further next time. Definitely, for sure. Like, they're a very exciting team. There's a lot of talent there. But, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. We're finally just getting going. Like, it's finally come about. And at least this year, it's playing in, like, two different cities, right? So they Delhi Capitals will get to play at home in Delhi at the Ferocious, um Stadium as well. As well as, I think, the tournament starting off in Bangalore. So RCB get to play at home. So I think Kate Crosses get to experience the whole Chinnaswamy Stadium that she's been, like going on about saying how she'd love to experience that and then finally that's happening and then I think the tournament moves over to Delhi. I mean my only thing with the Delhi Capitals is the strength of their overseas players if you look at it following Sutherland's 200 her landing cap they look pretty much set on for those three to be playing so actually that fourth overseas spot is almost being fought between Capsy, Jonathan and Harris and if I was Alice Capsy to be making sure I got that final slot I would be putting the idea in the coach's head of saying I'll take the gloves because we've seen Alice Capsi take the gloves before Tanya Batia who was the keeper last time you know if she's injured or has been in poor form potentially Mondale's been brought in as well as a sub for the keeper but if I was Alice Capsi I'd be going look I average better than than Tanya Batia I'm a more attacking player let me take the gloves because the amount of deliveries which you know go to the keeper in a T20 I know more do in the women's game but I would be saying, look, I'm a competent enough keeper. Get me in the game. I offer you more. But I don't know. We've got to see how all these kind of tactics play out because it is a skill to balance, you know, the, the overseas players you have. And look at this team coming up as well where you look at the Gujarat Giants who, let's be honest, they were the worst team last season. They just won two matches out of eight. They finished at the bottom of the table. They had a terrible net run rate. It was a disaster, but they've been doing some recruiting. And in terms of overseas players, the Giants have Ash Gardner, Beth Mooney, Laura Woolvart, Phoebe Litchfield, Leah Tahuhu, and then Catherine Bryce as well. Like, that's a pretty star-studded team. Like, the over the kind of over-the-winter recruitment drive has been good for the Giants. Yeah, I feel like their talent scouts definitely been keeping an eye on what's been happening and over across the globe really cricketing wise they've upped their selection this year so hopefully they don't finish bottom of the table no i mean they've they've recruited roughly i think it's 10 plus players into their side the big kind of call for them was whether to go for phoebe litchfield as we mentioned or chamari atapatu they chose to go for litchfield kind of backing that youth and that's a lot of what the wpl is it's looking at those younger players and going, you know, we think this franchise is going to be around for a long time. We want to invest in young players who will be able to have in our franchise for ages. They become a part of the family. It's what the IPL and the WPL do is by getting, you know, fans to love players. And, you know, you heard all the men's players during the World Cup going, when I played at this ground, it felt like my home ground because the fans there already love me from the IPL. And they're kind of going for, you know, that that kind of vibe as well and actually I'm gonna say this as well for the West Country fans listening former Gloucestershire favourite and ex-Australia batter Michael Klinger has been named as the new coach of the Gujarat Giants he is replacing Rachel Haynes who I think is one of the finest minds in cricket but 
I'm excited to see what kind of you know Michael Klinger can do alongside Mitali Raj like that could be a bit of like you know a power pairing particularly with all this recruitment I think whatever happens the Giants aren't going to have the same poor season as they did last year let's hope and Melissa we got to talk about the Mumbai Indians come on they were last year's champions the first ever champions of the Women's Premier League and wherever Charlotte Edwards goes well the trophy just follows her doesn't she and it also looks like they have an unlimited wallet (laughs) let's be honest like they have definitely definitely splashed out you've got just the that team list is just like look at look at their overseas you've got Amelia Kerr you've got Chloe Tyron you've got um Hayley Matthews you've got Izzy Wong Nat Siva Brunt is at Mumbai Indians you've got Shabnam Ishmael's made her way over as well like it's it's just a star-studded side. And of course, it's being coached by Charlotte Edwards. I think Jhulangaswamy's part of the coaching team as well. Just just star after star after star. And they won the tournament last year. They played some excellent cricket. The um, final against Delhi Capitals was a great game to watch. And I think it really did highlight the cream of the cream in the women's game. Yeah, my one thing I want to keep an eye on is Harman Precourt because she's having a terrible run of form. She's had like eight single-digit scores in her last 10 innings. Like her last exceptions were 49 and 44 in that one-off test against England but she's quite a fiery character I feel like every time Harmon Precourt gets out a bit similar to Steve Smith there's always someone or something to blame and I just wonder she needs to like get a few runs in this tournament otherwise there might be a few like you know I hate to say it but there might be a few like rumors and people going like hmm what's she doing here there's other people performing well for the Giants like should she? I don't want to say it. I feel like if you're part of the broadcast crew of this year's WPL, that as soon as Harman Precourt goes out, gets out, if she gets out, that camera goes straight to her. You know, like they say that you need like a Virat cam whenever India plays. You just need a camera on Virat Kohli. I think like there is that similar trait that we see in Harman Precourt. You mentioned Shabnam Ishmael being the, the kind of signing who's moved over. She spent a lot of last year's competition sat on the bench, but you can kind of see why they signed her because they've got Izzy Wong. She was great last year. She literally got the hat trick. But since then, she has been having some confidence issues for England. Last year at Chelmsford against Sri Lanka in a T20, she got the yips big time. And I know she's still such a young player who really performs well on the big stage, but I think it's nice that they can almost alternate their two quick bowlers. And then sometimes they can play both of them if the conditions allow. But having that kind of senior person who Izzy Wong can learn from, I think that could be like another Charlotte Edwards mastermind move, maybe. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's more of a mental approach to it, just in case Izzy Wong isn't feeling at her full confidence coming into the tournament because obviously we know it affected her in the summer and she has a lot to learn from with the experience of Shabs. So hopefully it works in their favour and she, we can also see um, Izzy Wong perform. Now, RCB are just one of my favourite teams to talk about because I love how self-deprecating RCB fans are about their own team because they throw tons of money at these big-name players and it just didn't really work but this year they're like the bookies favorite to challenge MI because you know maybe they they ironed out a few of the kind of issues last year but when you look at the names like Elise Perry, Nadine de Klerk who has come in for Heaven Knight you know you've got Smriti Mandana, Sophie Devine who hit that what was it last year she hit a 36 ball 99 like she's still got it 
She's so good. And they've also signed Georgia Wareham, kind of almost as a like-for-like replacement for, for Dane van Nierkirk. I think that's a great thing, having leg spinners who can hit big. We saw the damage Georgia Wareham did against when Lauren Bell was bowling uh, the Aegis Bowl in the Ashes. Like, I think that's such a good signing. And then they've also brought in Kate Cross, who you mentioned earlier, who is actually a Chennai Super Kings fan. She's gone into Alex Hartley's favourite team, which I feel is like, I think that's quite cute. I think that's like fate. But I think it's like a safe replacement for like Megan Shoot. And, you know, she she's such a reliable kind of performer. It's, I find it so funny that she's been picked up in the WPL, but doesn't make the England T20 squad. So I don't blame Kate Cross at all for choosing to prioritise the WPL. But I can see why people look at this team and say they should perform better than than they did because they've got such reliable players. I think whether it would just be whether Smriti Mandana can kind of join them all together and get them playing as a side because I don't think there was that cohesion last year. And it was hard because it was a competition put together very quickly. But I feel like they have a, a much better chance this year if Smriti gets more confident with her captaincy. And then looking at the UP Warriors, well, I'm not sure what you thought when you looked at the squad Right, but they have really gone all out on the batting department. So I'm not sure if they realise that we do need a few bowlers to help us win us a game. But in terms of, look at this, you've got Alyssa Healy, you've got Dipti Sharma, you've got Grace Harris, you've got um, Athapathu is in here as well. Um, it's just batter after batter. Danny Wyatt, uh, Talia McGrath, like it's quite a star-studded t- side we've obviously got so- uh, Sophie Eccleston as well so we've got spin there in that department um but it's very very much batter heavy yeah I think that's my kind of you know reservations about this UP Warriors you've got to put the Z on the end UP Warriors so cool but yeah I just don't know whether they've kind of got that domestic strength from that as you say I don't know whether their recruitment's quite imbalanced but also it could work it could really work having a batting heavy lineup, just posing massive scores and just hoping that, you know, you win the toss, you bat first and then just put pressure on the other teams who can't chase it, even if your bowling lineup's not the strongest. Or they just have immense faith in the bowlers they have and Sophie Eccleston just to be like, you know what, I'm the queen of spin, I'm the number one spin bowler in the women's game and this is my job. It's actually just Sophie Eccleston with loads of wigs and every four overs she runs off and puts a ginger wig on and then bowls another four and no one will notice until the final and then suddenly there'll be this massive drama where Charlotte Edwards is like hang on this whole time she's been wearing a wig what's happening and there's a massive fight on the pitch and I think you've been watching too many pantomimes Melissa. Pantomimes maybe I mean I watched one at Christmas it was quite entertaining but you know I'm just expecting a lot of drama I know guys that was a very quick run through of these teams almost like a reminder of what happened last year but me and Nikki are going to be doing some WPL reruns and shorter podcasts detailing some of the games these aren't going to be dailies because you know us guys we 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 can't do that we have full-time jobs but we are going to try and bring you some of the action so we will have so much more to talk about and go into a bit more depth into these squads into these players just ones to watch, really, within the international context. But that's our kind of WPL breakdown. Please send us any kind of questions you have, especially once the tournament starts and we start doing these more regular shows because we love just interaction from you guys. One final thing before we go. 
We have to say a huge thank you to everyone who voted for us in the Sports Podcast Awards. Guys, it wasn't to be, but that's okay. We were fighting against some big podcasters. And actually, last time I heard Nikki, it's so much cooler to not come on the podium. I just heard it was really uncool to come on the podium. So I'm really proud of us for getting two nominations. And a massive congratulations to everyone else who did win. Because some of our favourite podcasts were up there. No Balls, Zero Ducks. We love those guys. Um... And yeah, so thank you so much for voting. We appreciate all the time. Nikki, got any fun plans this evening before you go? I want to go to the gym. Ugh, make me feel bad about myself. Oh my God. I'm off to the gym. I'm going to go have a cup of tea and then head to the gym and then go for a sauna and steam. Well, that sounds lovely. And you deserve it. Nikki, I will speak to you soon. Of course, get in touch with us at Storylines Pod on Instagram or Twitter. And we might have mentioned a few podcasts ago, but we now have an email account. So if you would like to email us, we are storylinespod at gmail.com and get in touch. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review. And for now, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Podcast Network.